This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception. All right, Matt. Here we are. Uh, We got uh, one our first official preseason game in the books. Uh, Not that we took anything from it that's okay <laughs> but uh, zach wilson played or whatever whatever anyways who cares uh it's all good we got football uh on our tv screens now yeah we got football on our tv screens uh i mean maybe the most mild interesting thing if we're gonna say you know something on this podcast that came from the hall mm-hmm. of fame game you know cedric tillman played a little bit cedric tillman's like a rookie that we were interested in and uh you know from sure. a big x receiver perspective but we just don't really care too much about what happened in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, the real <laughs> the real preseason right. stuff definitely is going to start coming down the pipe here. You know, uh, that they'll, there will actually be some reactions and overreactions potentially from those games. But for now, yeah, it's just like, okay, we're getting closer and closer. I mean, I think kickoff is, what, a month away now at yeah. this point? So yeah. pretty crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. Uh, for today's show, uh, I, I want to challenge Matt Harmon a little bit. We're going to challenge some of his rankings, and in particular, his Mike Evans ranking. Is he ranked too low? We're going to dip into that. Uh, and I want to challenge, I think, both of our priors, actually, on this one, because we don't ever spend time talking about Patriots outside wide receiver, probably for good reason, but <laughs> not a bad time, I think, to maybe challenge uh, some of our assumptions going into that situation there in New England. Um, and again, uh, I want to talk about Darnell Mooney as well. I feel like this is a wide receiver that, uh, in a Chicago bears uniform, we don't really talk about, uh, mm-hmm. very much. And what are the expectations from Matt Harmon in regards to Darnell Mooney? I want to start the show though, Matt in Cincinnati, Jamar chase telling NFL network, he told Joe Burrow to essentially take his time back from his calf injury. And that if he misses week one, he's good with it. Quote, I told him in that with all honesty, I don't want him there. Then Matt, the guy goes and doubles down on that later on, says he'd be good with Joe coming back after week five. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, Jamar chase is telling his quarterback to take his time back. What were your thoughts when you heard that? Well, Jamar also made the point, too, that he came back last year from a hip issue in the middle of the season, which it's crazy that, you know, we've talked on the podcast many times about how good Jamar Chase was last year from an isolation individual perspective. And this guy played like he played coming back from a hip injury. Uh, Imagine if you, you know, I mean, imagine a hip injury. Give me a break. Um, So he brought brought up that point that he was very, very um, concerned about not rushing himself back from that injury. And so he wants Joe Burrow to take sort of the same approach here. I mean, it's not nothing, right? Like a calf issue is not nothing for Joe Burrow. This is also a guy who's, you know, dealt with lower body injuries before, you know, he tore his ACL his rookie year. Right. Um, I think people look, he's not obviously Jalen hurts. He's not Josh Allen in terms of like a rushing perspective, but people do forget that, um, 
running again, it's not like a big part of his game, but it is certainly the pocket mobility is a big part of his game. Uh, Making guys miss inside the pocket is a big part of his game. He actually scrambled, you know, a decent bit last year, much more than he did in his first year coming off that ACL. So is that going to be something that he, you know, has to hold himself back from? So um, I don't know that we are, I, I don't know that we need to react too heavily. Like, okay, maybe this is like Joe Burrow takes this to heart, right? Like Jamar is making the, you know, this comment, like kind of in a throwaway sense in an NFL network interview. But um, it is again, worth keeping our eyes on. If Joe Burrow does decide to take that same cautious approach in a year, obviously when he's hoping to get a contract extension, number one, and two, right. we know that all these AFC teams, they, they want to win every game, of course, but they've got their eyes on what's going to happen in January and February. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing um, in regards to what uh, Jamar Chase is talking about is that, I, I mean, you want that number one seed or you want that number two seed, that's fine, you know, but man, uh, it's all about the postseason. And I think with those three big teams in the AFC, I think that's what it's all about, right? The Patriots, the Bills, and the Bengals. Yeah. I, I think what is so cool about this is that we've got three quarterbacks there in the, on those three teams in their primes, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And it just feels like Matt, what's so fun about it is that what it feels like is that it's just these battle of the superpowers every single year with these three teams. And they're just going at it over and over and over again. The Bengals have gotten to the super bowl, Kansas city, obviously, uh, has won a couple of them, and the Bills want to get to the Super Bowl so badly. Uh, so, man, this is a – I think it's such a fun time, uh, especially in the AFC. And and this is a big reason why the AFC is just – you know, they, they they dominate in terms of, you know, um, uh, the competitiveness and, and all the power stacking in the AFC. The NFC is like, you know, hey, it's like, it's like the NBA Eastern Conference. You know, no disrespect, yeah. but, I mean, come on. There's just not as many strong teams in the NFC. You know what I mean? And – what I when I hear that when I hear you talk about that and what ma- it makes me think about is that we're going to get to the end of some of these quarterbacks' careers and like they're not going to win Super Bowls, right? No, like or they're going to have maybe one. That's why like we we talk so much about how rings and legacy and all that stuff, but yo, it's just really hard to win a Super Bowl, right? Especially when you have the previous twenty years, it was the Patriots just clogging up. Uh, Super Bowl titles <laughs> and now it looks like the Chiefs may right. well be on their way to clogging up it's by the way it's also why it's so um not to bring the running back stuff back up but it's why it's, it's so annoying and disingenuous it's like yeah well you know the Super Bowl never had never Super Bowl winner never has a great great running games like yeah they just happen to have Patrick Holmes or Tom Brady like <laughs> GFL trying to find one of those pal okay so uh maybe we can just at least try to have a decent rush rushing attack but beside the point there is it's just we're going to get right. to a point where at the end of these guys' careers where maybe Josh Allen doesn't ever get one. Maybe Joe Burrow doesn't ever get one, right? Like, that's why the – It's crazy. Uh, that And it's crazy to say that, especially because Burrow was in one his second season. I know. And, you know, I the know. immediate thing is always like, oh, you'll be back. Like, they'll be back. Last year, Jalen Hurts, he misses the moment in the end. He doesn't get the Super Bowl. Not, I'm not saying it was his fault. He was fantastic in the Super Bowl, right? But right. I'm just saying, like, they, they, don't, they don't close the deal. Oh, he, he, he'll be back, man. You know, he's a big contract extension. Eagles have a great team. Not really, right? Like Aaron Rodgers went to one. He won one, and he has never gone back since. And he's, he's that's I think he's got to be one of the top five best and most talented quarterbacks that's ever played the game. 
And it's yeah. just it, that's what's crazy about this time in the NFC or the AFC right now. And like by the way, yeah, we're like Jalen Hurts in the NFC. These are still like a lot of really good quarterbacks that are out there right now that really may never get to get to that moment and certainly may never haul that moment in, especially if the Chiefs continue playing at the level that they've played at with Mahomes there. Uh, Joe Burrow, obviously the starter there for Cincinnati. I take a look at their depth chart. It's the great uh, Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon is the backup there in Cincinnati. Uh, third string, Jake Browning. Is this Jake Browning, the 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 uh, the kid out of Washington? Yep, sure is. Jake Browning. Wow, okay. Uh, he, they got him third on the depth chart. Uh, so there you I, go. Uh, yeah, go I ahead. think Trevor Simeon's not like the worst backup in the world. No, absolutely um, not. I think, yeah, actually, like, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I would say he's, if you have a backup quarterback situation, he's absolutely one of those dudes that you want there. Now, he's got zero arm talent, um, but I just think from a professionalism standpoint, uh, Trevor Simeon's that guy, man. Like, it's good. I mean, he's got some NFL, you know, starter reps and in, in, in games under his belt. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. Look, the one thing you worry about, Matt, when you're talking about a backup quarterback is you don't want them just just barfing all over their shoes right yeah. and that's not trevor simeon i think trevor simeon obviously has limitations again zero arm talent uh but again if you want him to to, to guide an offense you know uh, you know that you could put a full nfl uh pal- a plate on his uh you know in front of him and, and he can handle it he had like some moments right with the denver broncos early on in his career it was like okay mm-hmm. is this gonna is this going to be a thing? Like, is he going to be a guy? You know, is he going to be somebody that, I don't know, we're, we're talking about as a, a, a potential starting quarterback? And, and obviously that fell apart really quickly. Uh, right. You know, he, he had some – he actually did have some throw-up-on-his-shoes moments uh, as a starter, <laughs> right? Right. But right, I, right, I still right, like right. the way Trevor Simeon right. handles himself. And like, okay, if the Bengals have to get by a couple weeks to start the season with – um, Trevor Simeon or like, you know, you, you're, you're thinking about Jamar Chase and T Higgins and fantasy or something like that. Like, okay, that's not the worst thing in the world for them have to, to have to deal with. Like, I think if you're talking, you know, there are plenty of backups that are like fringe startery types. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about just like pure backups. You're right. I think Trevor Simeon's not like the worst. Uh, he's, he's gotta be like kind of up there. I, I honestly didn't even realize Trevor Simeon was on the damn I was on the damn roster. You know, you just forget like these guys move around so much. I know. Right. Um, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll say this as well. Um, Tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here. Jamar Chase, I'm assuming, uh, knows a little bit more about what's going on on the injury front in regards to Joe Burrow than than the rest of us. Um, and remember, he, Burrow did get, uh, I believe he got carted off, right? Non-contact injury. A lot of fears there. The way he was pulled up limping. Um, I tell you what, I, I mean, I know I wasn't the only person worried about an Achilles. Uh, luckily, it was just a calf injury, uh, going to sideline him for a few weeks. I almost wonder if Jamar, and by the way, T. Higgins also said uh, that he feels like, hey, listen, uh, the everyone's got to be a professional in this whole situation. We can't rely solely on Joe Burrow, which, again, makes me feel like they know a little something, something, Matt, that maybe they're, they're, Burrow yeah, is going to miss a lot of time. You know, They're, they're setting expectations to mm-hmm. a certain point of like, okay, well, maybe just Maybe just we're going to be careful about this one. Um, yeah, I I think I think it's really interesting uh, just to, to see what's going to happen with this one. But man, yeah, I, I want all these guys right for you know January, right when the playoffs right. are happening. Correct, correct. Okay, uh, a man who has uh, seen a lot of January as of late is Mike Evans with the aforementioned Tom Brady that you talked about there. Um, the Matt Harmon half PPR. Uh, 
tiers, the his rankings are on the site right now. Go to receptionperception.com. We, we dove into it a little bit uh, at the end of last week. I, I want to dive into it specifically in regards to Mike Evans here. You've got him in tier five, Matt Harmon. And to be honest with you, I feel like that's a little disrespectful. I'm not going to lie. Tier fives, <laughs> tier fives got some dudes in here, bro, that you are not all that high on. Okay. You've got Jerry Judy in this tier. You've got Mike Williams in this tier. Christian Kirk, you love, but J- Jahan Dotson, Gabe Davis, that you've pointed out a lot of warts in his game. George Pickens. I, we've talked about extensively with a lot of warts in his game as well. And then a rookie in Jackson Smith and Jigba, I look at tier five and then I see Mike Evans. It's like, I mean, just a flashing headlight of like, yo, why am I in this group, man? (laughs) Well, listen, I mean, that's all really fair. What you said, Uh, it does feel disrespectful to have Mike Evans there based on what he's accomplished. There are players. I like some guys in this tier. You know, I I like Jahan Dotson. Obviously I like Christian Kirk, like from a player perspective, you know, JSN really love JSN. George Pickens, I think could be, a great X receiver in the NFL. It can be like, he has a really wide, I think he has a wide range of outcomes, but he has a very high ceiling. Like to me, all of these guys from a pure fantasy perspective are like very volatile wide receiver three candidates. Like I can see all of these guys, George Pickens, Mike, Will- I mean, for God's sakes, Mike Williams, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, George- Gabe Davis. I can see all those guys having like <laughs> four for 120 and a touchdown. And I could see them having, you know, two for 20 or something like that. Right. And, and and being very volatile from, and I think Jerry Judy fits into this group too. Although I know a lot of other people have him higher, you know, I'm not going to have the Jerry Judy conversation again, but right. Like that, that I think is, that's this group from a fantasy perspective. And I get it. Mike Evans obviously um, has accomplished a lot more in his career than a lot of those players. And, you know, he's a guy that I've gone to bat for over the last few seasons mm-hmm. um, in terms of like his actual ability I do think we saw a small decline from an individual perspective with Mike Evans. Um, Not a big decline, but like, you know, he was right around between 2019 and 2021 between 70.3% success rate versus man and 72.7% success rate versus man coverage. Um, He had one of his best seasons ever against press coverage in 2021, dipped down to about 75% dipped down to 69.3% success rate versus man coverage. So maybe a small little decline there uh, from an individual perspective, but nothing major. I also think the way that they used him last year was didn't really make a lot of sense from a go route perspective. When you go look at his reception perception route chart, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of stuff that doesn't make a ton of sense when you consider that Tom Brady was getting the ball out at like two seconds, like literally two seconds flat and 27.7% of Mike Evans sampled routes and reception perception were go routes. So I think you can, you can sort of, um, you can understand why last year was a down year for him. Even if he, even if he didn't take a major step back as a player, like I still think Mike Evans can be a really good starting outside receiver, uh, even if he's sort of in that back nine of his career. But like a lot of this doesn't have anything to do with Mike Evans. His quarterback is probably Baker Mayfield this year. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, dude, that's not that's bad. Okay, like we the, the funny thing about uh, you know is uh, going back and forth with people still to this day are like, yeah, I mean Odell Beckham, he had a couple of couple of good moments with the Rams, but he wasn't really good with the Browns. It's like, hello, I think now we've figured out <laughs> history has indicated what the problem there was with the Cleveland Browns. Like, right. Watch what Odell did when he was separated from Baker Mayfield. And then watch what Baker Mayfield has done at this point when he's been out of that like 
cookie cutter play action offense. Like who tanked DJ Moore season to start last year? Oh, I wonder, maybe it's the same guy. And my biggest problem there is that if you think about Beckham, I mean, I, he's not the same player as Mike Evans, but you think about Beckham, you think about DJ Moore. Those guys are all outside receivers that run like big boy NFL number one wide receiver routes. That's what Mike Evans is going to do. It's not like Chris Godwin's more that slot guy, like a souped up version of Jarvis Landry. I think if one of these receivers is going to survive the Baker Mayfield disaster, it's probably going to be Chris Chris Godwin. Not in a super great way for fantasy either, like not a ceiling perspective, but like and catch 80 balls, 90 balls, something like that with Baker. I just worry that the stuff that Baker struggles with the most are the throws deep outside the numbers that Mike Evans is primarily going to run those routes. By the way, I want to go back to that nine route percentage. That's just, it's stupid. I mean, can we just say what it is? It's stupid. Um, He ran, you know, almost 28% of his routes last year were the nine route. That makes absolutely no sense. He's one of your best players uh, in in addition to Chris Godwin. And you're essentially taking that chess piece off the board because your offensive line is absolutely decimated. What were they? They were missing. Um, at one point, I think they were missing four of their five starting offensive linemen from the year prior. Their they starting center the got hurt like the first day of training camp for the entire, basically what ended up being almost the entire season. Exactly. Right. So you're talking about you're starting the season down three starting offensive linemen. Uh, from the year prior, then you get another one that they, they lose another one, I think during halfway through the season uh, for a bit as well, but it, it just doesn't make sense. Tom Brady obviously doesn't want to get hit and rightfully so he's about a billion years old. Any hits going to cripple the man. That's fine. <laughs> but I'm just saying he's getting the ball out. As you mentioned, two seconds, fastest release time in the NFL. He wasn't messing around, man. It was quick game all day long. I just don't understand. You're going to tell one of your best players, just go ahead and run go routes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, he's not going to have time to get open. Uh, it just, yeah. it, it didn't make any sense. I thought it was stupid. Uh, the, the play calling in regards to Mike Evans. Why, why do it this way? I, I just don't understand why do it this way. Um, so I, that part of it was just disappointing uh, for me in regards to bulls. Um, and I've been a vocal critic of Todd bulls. Uh, just saying, I, I don't, I feel like he's learned absolutely nothing from his stint with the jets, you know, you, you see some guys that come back and, and they've really reconfigured what they do. It seems like he's doing the same stuff, man. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I was disappointed, uh, in the coaching performance there, it, it, which Matt, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Cause it's all the same guys. You would think it's, you know, going to be the same thing. And it just, I, to me, it didn't really feel that way. It felt more stodgy, uh, the way they were playing football. Yeah. And you know, it's just funny how like there's so many of these like kind of butterfly effect moments in the NFL. Like remember how hard Jacksonville was pushing to get Byron Leftwich to come be their head coach uh, after firing Urban Meyer, and obviously Byron mm-hmm. Leftwich stays with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the offensive coordinator, and they hire Doug Peterson. And think about just what a great fit Doug Peterson's been for Trevor Lawrence. You know that was right. just a home run hire. Um, you know, to do like, instead of kind of taking this, and I'm not saying like maybe Byron left, which ends up being a great head coach in the NFL, uh, someday, but they were trying to, I think, do the sentimental thing and bringing a guy in Byron who, you know, used yeah. to play for the team. He was a first round right. pick by the team, even if he wasn't the super successful first round pick. Like, I think there would, that would have been like a cool thing for the fan base, but you know, he stays with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without, you know, we're talking about, there's not a lot of coaching change. I mean, there was one big one. 
Bruce Arians got kicked out of the head coaching spot and, you know, got moved up to the front office by uh, probably by Tom Brady. Uh, and probably that was a big part of it. And, you know, that left left, which was already the play caller and the office coordinator. And, you know, people like to remind you of that a lot uh, mm-hmm. when when the Bucks are having success. I think removing Arians from the situation, I think, was a big problem last year. Uh, and I think those guys just weren't ready to, like, I don't think Bowles was ready to be a head coach again. And I don't think that Byron Leftwich was ready to just completely man the offense by itself. Cause it was like, that was problem number maybe four or five for what was going on with the Buccaneers offense last year is Mike Evans running too many go routes. But you're right, it was a huge issue that I think makes Evans' season look worse and made the Bucks' offense worse overall. I think what you've highlighted with Mike Evans, too, is that he's not just a go-route specialist. That's not just what he does. This is a guy that can play and run routes all over the field. Um, And and so to kind of pigeonhole, and you would think of all the teams, uh, Tampa Bay would know that the most about Mike Evans, that this guy can actually run the full route tree. Uh, but they took him off. Like I said, I thought he was a chess piece that they took off the board with strange play calling a third of his plays going in over the top uh, on an offensive line that's decimated and a quarterback that doesn't want to stand in the pocket and take big hits and launch him downfield. It just, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense. But I want to get back to the tears because, again, I, I thought maybe there was some small slippage as you had wrote, wrote about in your profile with him, but still in over the top even though he was running you know more than 30% of his routes uh, over the top still looked awesome man you know 60.9% success rate on the nines in 2021 he improved on that in 2022 he went from 60.9 to 62.9 mm-hmm. in 2022 and also saw a, a pretty chunky increase on his success routes on the post and corner compared to 2021 in 2022 so i again you know in that intermediate area of the field Okay, maybe not so much, but in over the top, Matt, this guy was was uh, again as good as advertised. One hundred percent, yeah. He still, I, I get from the one perspective why you want him running those vertical routes because he's really good at running those vertical routes, right? That's this one of the trump card abilities in his arsenal, and right. he also, by the way, is still a great contested catch player. Oh, yeah. um, he he had some issues with drops at different points last year, you know, whatever, but. He still uh, won 78.6% of his sample contested targets last year. Uh, that remains a big-time ability for him. I just, like, we're, as we're talking more and more about this, like, the, 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 the clear strengths that are still a part of Evans' game, you know, winning downfield, getting open downfield, being an, an, a vertical X receiver, winning in tight coverage. I mean, my God, dude, these are all the worst parts of Baker Mayfield's game as a passer. <laughs> And maybe Kyle Trask, I don't, I just, honestly, with Kyle Trask, uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of quarterback, like, evaluators that I really respect didn't see much from Kyle Trask as, yeah. a, as a prospect. Right. Um, I'd be curious what Derek Klassen thought about him as, a, as like, a prospect uh, mm-hmm. back in the day, but I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, it just, like, if he, maybe he's able to save this thing at some point. Um, I mean, there's just, like, no juice about that quarterback battle either, right? Like, because it's no. pretty much still an open question, but... Yeah, I'm I'm just very concerned that there is no real ceiling for this offense present with these quarterbacks. And like you said, I think Bowles is still a conservative coach. You know, Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, now comes from Seattle. I like that hire and everything, but I don't know, man. I just really think that we're I just I don't see it with with Evans in, in fantasy this year. And I just yeah, it's just not a 
I hate that because I love the player, but I, it's just not a guy I've been, uh, been, been drafting often. Last year, Mike Evans, 127 targets, 77 receptions, uh, 1,124 yards, six touchdown catches for Mike Evans, his lowest touchdown total since 2017, nine consecutive years of 1,000-plus yards. You know, to be honest with you, I just feel like I don't think it matters. I think he just gets the job done. Tier five for me, too low. And, you know, you did this with the Baltimore guys, Matt. You should have done it with the Tampa Bay guys, too. You should have just had Godwin and Mike Evans just right there at the end of tier four. Just clump them together, man. Like, just put them together. They're both so good. But that's that's the thing, though. I think that, I mean, Godwin, I think, is still younger. He's on a bit more of an upward trajectory. Um, You know, I think that he again stylistically fits baker mayfield bad but also just bad quarterbacks in general because he's going to be used a ton underneath but he's listen he's a he's at the end of that tier with keenan allen to me because those are also guys that i think like i I don't see a high ceiling with i mean i Mm -hmm. understand um the ceiling on some of these other guys that i have in tier four but i don't even godwin like he's gonna have to have some great touchdown luck on the type with the type of targets that he generally gets. I don't think the type of targets he gets is going to change with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. So um, I think, think that's why I've just been a little bit more comfortable with Godwin, but I, I do hear you that it is kind of a bummer to have my, I mean, I could listen, I could see bumping Mike Evans ahead of like Christian Kirk and Jerry Judy and Mike Williams, but I, I can't really go too much higher than that. Okay. There you go. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, last thing I'll say about Mike Evans and his speed. Um, still showed it, okay? Per next-gen stats, Evans hit 20.66 miles per hour in week number 17, okay? That's very similar to what we saw from Christian Watson, who is also really long and tall, uh, but, you know, again, considered much more freaky fast than Mike mm-hmm. Evans, but very similar speed profiles there for Mike Evans and Christian Watson. Although I will say green Bay fans, you guys will enjoy hearing this. Watson had a bunch of catches that eclipsed 20 plus mile per hour, uh, ranges. Uh, he topped out at 21.72 miles per hour. That was fourth fastest among all wide receivers last year. Randomly Paris Campbell clocked in at the top. Tyreek Hill, no surprise at number two, bro. At number three, Deshaun Jackson, number three. <laughs> Amazing. 
That is incredible. That's incredible. Deshaun Jackson off the street, off the couch. Just, again, it's all good. 21 miles an hour. Just Deshaun Jackson not even trying. <laughs> it's just still for, one for of the fastest. That's crazy. For a few drives that he's out there or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's it's it's crazy. Like, what I, and I wonder what his, like, top speed would have been in that, like, insane Eagles-Washington uh, game with Mike Vick when he threw that long ball <laughs> in, like, the first play of the game. I, I wonder what next-gen stats would have measured his top speed as then if this is the version we're getting crazy. now, right? Um, Christian Watson, by the way, I yeah. have this idea in my head for, like, a piece to write before the season starts, you know, okay. ever, with all of my free time. Uh, yes. So it'll probably never happen. I probably shouldn't even mention it on the podcast, but um, you know about players that you can like have it both ways on, like guys that you can you can talk about the like the upside and the downside. Um, I, I think George Pickens makes a lot of sense there. I think yeah. um, Christian Watson makes a lot of sense on it. And like, I, I find myself really kind of conflicted with Christian Watson because um, obviously there are questions with with Green Bay, right? Where there are questions with. Jordan Love, we don't know who he is. How how many plays is this team going to run? Are they going to be like really really run heavy? The offense is just so young around Jordan Love, including Christian Watson. Right. Um, but like, and and he's not. And, and then from an individual player perspective, he's not a complete route runner. At least he wasn't as a rookie. Right. He. he I think if he's going to be a high volume number one wide receiver, he's going to have to get better on like base NFL routes, like dig routes and slant routes and curl routes and stuff like that. If he's going to be like 120, 130 target guy off the bus, but the routes that he's good on, it really matter, right? Like nine routes, corner routes, post route, deep outs, mm-hmm. um, you know, those quick little routes in the flat where you get him going in space. And I, my, my Martavis Bryant comparison still really stands for him. Um, I, I, I just think there's a really high ceiling for this player. Um, and I think there's obviously a, like, some concerns there but I, I he's one of I think the guys I find myself having the most trouble with like deciding where I stand going into this year also a tier four wide receiver for Matt Harmon can I just give you my unsolicited take on Christian Watson I think he's going to absolutely crush people in fantasy football this year I think he's I think he'll be a fine player in real life but I think from a fantasy perspective I'm expecting absolutely nothing you want to know why R- really because I don't think that Matt LaFleur is going to open it up at all. Um, yeah. You know how, remember how in the Aaron Rodgers profile piece for Derek Klassen, it was touchdown or check down. That was his, like, I love that line from mm-hmm. Derek Klassen about Aaron Rodgers was that it was either touchdown or check down, right? How many of those plays from the long ball perspective, do you think that was just Aaron Rodgers freestyling it? Me lot, personally, yeah, yeah. I feel like that was a lot of them. You know, and and he only had one guy, which is six four, you know, four three eight forty, Christian Watson gazelling down the sideline, throw it up and see what happens, right? Um, when you've got Jordan Love, who's now not going to freestyle as much, when you've got Jordan Love, who is probably going to play the playbook about as straight and, and narrow as you possibly can, because he has almost no experience. Um, what kind of plays are are what we're going to see for the very first time is these are the plays that Michael or uh, Matt LaFleur is dialing up. These are the plays that are in his playbook. Um, and to be a hundred percent honest with you, I think we're going to see a lot of short underneath stuff. And I think we're going to see a lot of the run game. And I think we're going to take a lot of the risk out of it. And, uh, and I don't think that Jordan love 
is going to be chucking these uh, deep balls to, to Christian Watson, which is, again, that's an area of the field, as you've pointed out many times, that's an area of the field where he's going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Is this guy going to win in the intermediate areas of the field? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so that's why I think from a fantasy perspective, I'm expecting nothing from Christian Watson. And it's not because of the player. Uh, I think it's because of the quarterback and coach. So that would be, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting here because people think Jordan Love's going to come in and be Aaron Rodgers, like, and he's going to run those plays. No, he's not. Okay. No, he is not. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was, was, was slinging it, baby. You know, like it's not going to happen. I I think Jordan Love's going to be a much more conservative quarterback uh, there in Green Bay. I think that you could make an argument that Christian Watson fits more in the, with the group of players we talked about in tier five, where yes. they're very Agreed. volatile players. There's a lot of, I mean, again, Christian Watson can make a big play all on his own. You know, they talk about like uh, the connection there that, that he had with Christian Watson in that Eagles game. Like, Oh, they, they had some moments there, Jordan Love and that. And I was like, okay, yeah, well, Jordan Love hit like a crossing route and Christian Watson housed it against a really good defense, you know? <laughs> so he can make those plays all on his own. Cause he really yeah. is that special after the catch. I think Christian Watson, he's, he's got really, truly special ability at his size, at his speed to win after the catch and in the open field. There's going to be those moments, but again, I think he could very much be a guy that has like two for 20 weeks when they're running the ball really well. Oh my God, if the dude, if the defense takes a step, they're definitely going to be even more conservative. Right? So I, 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 but I, I, and yeah, I'm with you that it's not really because of the player, even though, again, I think there are areas where he needs to improve as a player, but from just a stable week to week perspective i think there's a lot of assumption being done with christian watson who i'm not like again i'm not super down on him even from a consensus perspective you know he goes off the board like wide receiver 24 they're just people that think he could be in that like chris olave tier i don't think he can be that player from an individual perspective anyways and then two we just have no idea if the quarterback is any good there's a chance the quarterback's not good um, because we just don't know. And then there could be a very conservative run heavy team and they could be, um, if the defense takes a step, that's going to be even more so. So by the I, way, I'm with Matt, you. There are a it, lot of concerns. I am on, I am on an Island and, and I feel like a hater saying this, but isn't it also fair to wonder whether or not LaFleur is actually a good offensive coach? I think, I think it's, it's at least fair to ask that question. I think it's fair. I actually kind of, I mean, I kind of like Matt LaFleur. And I also think that a lot of what they've done, and I think we're going to see this be the same case in New York, is there's going to be a real blending of the offense they want to run and the offense that Aaron Rodgers wants to run. Correct. Like that's, and I know it, I know it can be very, um, it's easy to say like, oh yeah, this play caller, is he any good? Because he basically just has Aaron Rodgers. But a lot of, I mean, you also have to get Aaron Rodgers to fit into your offense or you have to adjust your offense around Aaron Rodgers. And may, may, look, maybe Matt LaFleur's offense without the, maybe the Aaron Rodgers parts of the offense were great and the Matt LaFleur parts of the offense stunk. But I don't think that's the case because mm-hmm. I think when you look at Aaron Rodgers at the end of the Mike McCarthy era, when he was doing a lot of the stuff he wanted to do, you know, get up there and like spread the field and point and like, you know, audible things and point and shoot and like, you know, do the little hand signals, all that stuff. The offense wasn't, there's was a reason Mike McCarthy got fired. Like the offense went stale, things went really bad there. 
Right. Um, I think LaFleur did a good job of getting Rodgers on board with his offense, with adjusting his offense a little bit. But that could be a testament to him as a head coach, and we still don't know what he is as like a, a true individual isolated play caller. So right. I think the success of Matt LaFleur with Aaron Rodgers is that they were able to meet in the middle there. I think whether we truly think LaFleur is a good coach is whether he gets Jordan Love there as well. I think that, and I wonder, I do kind of wonder like, what if Jordan Love's fail, if Jordan Love fails, like I would imagine they get another shot at quarterback, but um, they'd have to really, then they'd really have to hit that one out of the park. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, uh, a lot to be seen, no doubt about it. By the way, we talked about a little bit here about Christian Watson, uh, unprompted, but uh, was according to receptor perception data uh, below av- below the NFL average, anyways. Uh, reception perception average on the dig, comeback, and slant was about NFL average on the curl route. Um, so again, when we're talking about this guy being great in over the top, I mean, fantastic on the yeah. corner nine post, uh, but anything in that intermediate. Uh, area of the field where you got to really sink those hips yep. and come back to the football. Mm, maybe not so much. I think great. I think great, 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 great straight line speed. You'd love to see that slant percentage come up a little bit, Matt. I think you would agree. Um, yep. If you really want to start, you know, um, testing DBs on the outside, mix that outside look with a good slant man and, and you could be off and running. And again, to your point, uh, fantastic after the catch, you know, uh, just a like I said, gazelling down the sideline. That's that's really what it looks like, right? Uh, big old athlete just rumbling down there. But uh, but yeah, if you get open on that slant and just just go, pretty good, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, potentially there for Christian Watson. So uh, and again, uh, he could do it. He absolutely could do it. So uh, we shall see. This. It's Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, I want to challenge a little some of our priors here, Matt. Is that all right? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, look, we have given no... Uh, it may be like... We, we talk about Devontae Parker a lot on this show, but not really like in terms of like what that means for Devontae Parker. It means we like, talk oh, about Devontae Parker as like... an idea. We talk about yeah. him as an idea, not exactly. as an actual player. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. But I want to challenge our priors because we've completely written off every Patriots wide receiver other than Juju Smith Schuster, who I think is a fairly decent value in, in the mid to late rounds of your fantasy football draft. But in regards to real life and in fantasy football, uh, I want to challenge our priors that the Patriots outside wide receivers are completely irrelevant. Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, uh, and maybe to a, a little bit of a degree, Kayshawn Booty, the, 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 the rookie out of LSU. These guys are all unranked in your tiers. Okay. And you've gone down pretty deep when you go into the, uh, into the rankings there for Matt Harmon. Um, but Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton in particular, Matt, I, I just kind of wanted to get a sense of maybe are we kind of sort of maybe possibly overlooking these guys? I mean, again, remember, uh, they've got a brand new <laughs> offensive coordinator. Uh, we've got Mac Jones potentially developing here as a passer as well. And part and one of these two guys, Parker Thornton, I think will have a, a, almost an every down role with this New England offense. So, I mean, I have Devontae Parker at wide receiver 88. That is ranked uh, when you go to the wide receiver tab. It is ranked, but it is ranked quite low. And this is one thing I want people to – I just had Rich Rebar on the Yahoo podcast um, and Scott Barrett also on the Yahoo podcast this past week. And one thing we 
continue. We talked about it on both those episodes is like we talk a lot about in fantasy as like, oh, this guy's going to beat his ADP. Um, I think Devontae Parker will beat a wide receiver 80, oh, certainly a wide receiver 88 spot. He's going to be <laughs> higher than that. Okay. And if you actually look at like uh-huh. consensus ADP, he's still um, quite low, Devontae Parker. I'm, he's wide receiver 81. If he has the role he had last year, he's going to be better than wide receiver 81. And by the way, I think he's going to be in that same role because he's the only player here who could start at X receiver. But James, let me ask you this. Devontae Parker beats his ADP, which is probably a lock of wide receiver 81. Who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> like, what's he going to be? How much is he going to beat it? You know, uh-huh. this is the thing we've been talking about on the show over there. It's like, you got to think more about like, what's re- really the upside of a Devontae Parker? Like, yeah, he could beat it and be wide receiver 53. Big freaking whoop. You know, who cares? Um, there's a reason we don't talk about this offense because we don't think there's any upside in this offense, right? And and I think mm-hmm. that's the thing with Parker, who also is tapped out and doesn't have any more upside as a player. Like, he is what he is. He's not he's not trash, but he's just like an average starting NFL, which is why we talk about him in the X receiver archetype all the time. He's like an average starting NFL X receiver. That's like the baseline for NFL X receivers, it's like you have to be Devontae Parker. Ideally, you want them to be more. You don't want them to be um, worse than that, which is why he comes up on the show all the freaking time. <laughs> so I, I hear your point about Parker that, like, yeah, he technically, like, if you're playing best ball, you know, you could, he probably going to have some moments and all that stuff. Um, I just think that he's tapped out as a player, and I think the offense probably has a cap ceiling as well. Thornton, at different points in the offseason, there was some buzz about Tyquan Thornton, yeah. and like even oh, some yeah. fantasy analysts were like, "Oh, Tyquan Thornton, like he could he could be interesting." I'm like, "And did you watch this guy play last year?" Um, in the in season rookie report, uh, which is still on the the website by the way for Prime and Sicko subscribers, four game sample for Tyquan Thornton. Um, a 58.5% success rate versus man coverage, 73.2% success rate versus man coverage or zone coverage in that sample. So not very good. And he was primarily lining up outside at 84%, which is where he would have to play, right? Uh, If if he was going to see the field for this team, because he's not going to play over Juju in the slot. Juju's only a slot receiver. And at this point in camp, like, He's had such an up and down summer. It seems like Kendrick Bourne, who fell out of favor with the coaching staff, might play over him. Crazy. So, like, he might be the fourth receiver on this team at this point, and which kind of makes sense because I think he's mostly just a speed gadget guy based on even those four. Like, I had that four game sample, and I was like, wow, if he keeps getting summer buzz, like, I might have to add the last four games. And now I'm not really sure that I need to. So, there you go. I I, I think that we kind of know based <laughs> on his rookie season that Thornton's probably a gadgety, speed based player only. Uh, and, and Parker, again, it just, there's just, I think he's just tapped out as an average starting X receiver. So Parker, he's going into his age 31 season. Now, remember, he did sign a, a, a bit of a three year extension. I think most people view it more as a salary cap move, although I did think that yeah. was odd that they gave him any new money at all. Uh, but that's okay. And then Tyquan Thornton played in 13 games last year, only 22 receptions, 247 yards, two touchdowns. Believe it or not, Matt, both of those touchdowns came while he was lined up in the slot, believe it or not, despite the fact that he played about 80% of his snaps outside. Both of his uh, touchdowns did come while lined up inside. If there is a reason for people to get excited about Tyquan Thornton or why people are getting excited about Tyquan Thornton, I think the offensive coordinator change certainly has um, raised the ceiling, I think, of the Patriots passing attack. His 4 40 speed, though, 
I think is what people say, okay, let's give this guy a chance. 36 and a half inch vertical, 6'2", 180 pounds. But man, when you run that 4'2", though, anytime you crack 4'3", people are going to say, okay, let's see yeah. what's going on. Then you add in the height, 6'2". Um, and, and that's when it starts from an athletic profile starts to get really interesting. Yeah, but he's like 180 pounds. He's he so is. skinny. That's, he that's is. the he's, thing. He's rail thin. Wasn't there something about like his wrist size or something? Like people were talking about how small his wrists were or something at some point leading up to the NFL draft because he's like so skinny or am I Well, I mean, listen, pal, <laughs> every body part is examined in the combine. People start talking about your wrist size, your ankle size, like all kinds of like stuff that you never think about uh, when, when you're talking about football. And all of a sudden during the combine, because we got to create content, all of a sudden all that stuff matters. It's funny. I'm reading I'm reading this in uh, the Providence Journal now. Yeah. Uh, according to the Athletics Dane Brugler, he noted that at 6 and 1/8 inches, Thornton had the skinniest wrists in the draft at 181 <laughs> pounds. He was also the lightest wide receiver ever drafted by Bill Belichick in case you're oh wondering his God. 8 and a quarter inch hands put him in the second percentile of all receivers ever at the NFL scouting combine. Um he sounds like an <laughs> oversized baby. Like what? <laughs> What? Thornton Thornton responded, um, skinny wrists. Good what do you Lord. use your wrists for? <laughs> Who noted his wrists have never limited in a game? I've never heard of that one. So, Oh, my goodness, man. I love, first of all, I love the beast. Uh, Dane Bruegger. Oh, yeah. Dane Bruegger is like a, he's, a monster. He's the absolute best. I love it. But, the, <laughs> but man, that right, that's like the peak of combine coverage right there. You know, you're like, good Lord. Oh, my God. We're talking about wrist size. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, good stuff there. Um, I, I'll throw some other uh, volume-ish numbers out there in regards to New England, and then we can move on. But New England was 21st in total wide receiver pass attempts. But again, I just want to reiterate Bill O'Brien back in the fold. Yeah. You know, okay. Uh, surprisingly, though, Matt, I think this might surprise you. They were 30th in slot wide receiver target percentage. Okay, uh, that surprised me because Jacoby Myers was their top target getter last year. So 96 targets, pretty good in that offense. Um, and surprisingly, actually, they had the 11th highest outside wide receiver target percentage at 37 percent. So if it tells you anything, I don't know. I don't know if the if, if it was the OC, if it was Mac Jones or whatever it was, but. The fact that they threw to the outside at a higher rate than they threw to the inside, um, again, if you want to kind of put some pieces together here in regards to Devontae Parker, there's at least a little bit of that as well. I think a lot of that was were they I mean, how often they were running two were they running two tight end sets often? Were they even running eleven personnel as often uh, as many other teams? Remember they tried to install like a Shanahan style wide zone running scheme in, in training right. camp with Matt Patricia right. and Joe Judge doing the installation and they got like oh, halfway boy. through camp. They're like, No, nope, let's forget it. Oh, <laughs> Never boy. mind, we're not gonna do that anymore. So um I just think every I look everything from last year should be thrown in the trash from like a what they did type of perspective because it just right. wasn't a serious operation. I I just oh my god I just I, I I can't even I I just can't get myself excited about this New England offense this year because I just don't really buy into any of the players outside of Ramondre Stevenson who I think is really good. You know they signed Mike Gesicki, 
And he's probably going to like, he's probably going to play fewer snaps than Hunter Henry this year. Like take that to the <laughs> bank. That's going to, that's going to happen. It's already been talked about in camp. Um, Tyquan Thornton, uh, their second round pick, you know, he of the skinny wrists is not, he's going to be their fourth receiver. Yeah. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think is pretty good. He's like a fine, he's a fine, solid NFL. He should be the, he's like the Devonte Parker of slot receivers. Like you <laughs> want them to be at least as good as Juju Smith-Schuster. Ideally uh-huh. you'd want him to be better. They can't be worse. Um, like I think Jacoby Myers is a better player than Juju Smith-Schuster. So, um, I, I just, I can't get all that gassed up about any of these players in fantasy because, oh, by the way, they're going to play – I still think they're going to play slow. They're going to run the ball a lot, and their defense is going to be good this year. So um, I don't think they're going to be in situations where they need to push it very often as a team. All right, very good. Uh, let's talk about Darnell Mooney there in Chicago. He's going to be the number two wide receiver behind DJ Moore. Uh, broke his ankle there in week number 12 in 2022. He needed surgery, but uh, all the reports out of camp are, is that he's good, he's healthy, he's running. Uh, And it's fine. You know, he had a thousand yard season in 2021, Matt. But in 12 games last year with Justin Fields trying to figure things out and, uh, you know, the offense, uh, you know, again, just trying to just trying to just grow. Um, Yeah, he had 40 receptions, 493 yards and just two touchdowns last year in 12 games. Um, you've got him in the tier eight section. So we're talking deep sleepers now. Darius Slayton, Alan Lazar, Tyler Boyd, Corey Davis, Alan Robinson, MVS, and Alec Pierce, other players in this tier group. Uh, Matt Harmon, this is a man, Darnell Mooney, that was a 50-50 inside-outside player. I don't know. Me thinks that actually works pretty well with what they've got with DJ Moore as well. These, these are guys that can, that can kind of sort of flip-flop themselves. Uh, and move all around the football field. Yeah, I think that he actually is like a really so- – I think he probably ideally would be your three, but it's much more passable if Darnell Mooney's your two than he is as a number one receiver for the Bears last year. Um, right. Like, I think he, he – in 2021, he showed, you know, 67.5% success rate versus man, 77.8% success rate versus zone. Those are like league average numbers. There's nothing terrible. Um, but he really wasn't very good. 32nd percentile overall against uh, press coverage. I think if you could play him as your flanker and you could move him as like a speed slot receiver, that's probably the ideal, ideal um, spot for him. You know he's he's a good deep threat. He can run nine routes. He can, but but he can win a little bit on like intermediate patterns too. Digs, comebacks, curls, out routes a little bit too. Um, I like Darnell Mooney a little bit as a player. Uh, you know, from like a fantasy standpoint, it's just there again. What's the ceiling here? Like, I think Justin Fields would have to take a massive leap uh, as a passer for them to really open this thing up. I they, I know they're not going to run him, and they probably will not run as slow and as run heavy as they were last year. Right. But I mean, dude, I can, I, I can barely get myself gassed up about, you know, DJ Moore in fantasy, just from a volume perspective. I'm, I'm really would struggle to do that with, uh, with, uh, Darnell Mooney, but I do think Mooney is, um, is a pretty good, is a pretty good player and somebody, um, in, in, in somebody that I think is a little bit forgotten about, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, by the way, DJ Moore for the Panthers last year was a 65 35 outside inside guy, Matt. And, and from what I recall, you like that versatility, uh, there for DJ Moore. Cause I, I just, I'm with you. I, I don't see him. I don't view him as a purely outside X receiver type of player. I think he will play as the X receiver most often for this team, but 
I think you can line him up inside DJ Moore. You can line him up, um, get him going on crossing routes. I think the one thing that the Matt Rule Panthers like criminally, criminally underused uh, DJ Moore was like routes that got him working over the middle. By the way, to bring this all back to where we talked about uh, at the top, you know, who's terrible reading the middle of the field, you know, who's terrible at um, working the middle of the field like a lot of other bad short quarterbacks. It's Baker Mayfield, just to bring it back to that like Evans <laughs> conversation we had at the top of the show. Um, okay. So I think that DJ Moore like didn't get a lot of use as that player with the Matt Rule Panthers, but we did see him play really well as a vertical X receiver. And I think he brings vertical X receiver ability to the Chicago Bears offense, but he can play inside too. And I think that like Justin Fields hasn't had anybody in his first few seasons that can confidently and consistently worked on those crossing routes and could bring you like yak ability. And that's the thing I think DJ Moore has been most underutilized as a slot receiver or an off-ball flanker receiver, getting those free releases, getting the ball in his hands quickly. Because I think, like, we talk – this is a take I, I have that probably nobody agrees with, but when we talk about receivers, like, oh, who could be the Debo – who could be Debo Samuel? Who could be, like, uh, who could be in the Debo – can LaVisca Chenault be the next Debo Samuel? That's the, the pop out of Panthers training camp. No, because he can't do the real receiver things and also be a great okay. yak receiver who can take handoffs. I actually kind of think DJ Moore, if any receiver was going to do it, and no other receiver is going to do it, but if any other receiver was going to do it, I actually kind of think DJ Moore might be the guy. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, interesting stuff there. Um, okay. Um, by the way, Cole Komet, <clears throat> ended the year last year leading the team in targets with 69 69, 69 targets <laughs> targets was the leading target getter in that bears offense uh mooney obviously as we mentioned did get um ankle uh he had a broken ankle need surgery there uh but did lead the team in targets per game with 5.1 per game no one else had um again it's cole Komet and and darnell mooney um no one else had more than 41 targets on that offense that is crazy that's wild uh wild stuff there uh although i will say this i look darnell mooney uh interesting player Come off that ankle surgery, certainly, uh, I think, a, a bit of a cause for concern. Everyone says he's healthy, but still, you never know. Uh, in that Tier 8 group, I think the guy that I'm most excited about, Matt, um, and again, I'll, I'll go over it very quickly, but Darius Slayton, Alan Lazar, Tyler Boyd, Corey Davis, Allen Robinson, MVS. I'm really interested in Alec Pierce. Yeah. You know, uh, and I get it. You know, we didn't see a ton from Alec Pierce, but I thought there were times last season where as just a straight downhill or downfield runner, um, this guy could absolutely play. And I just wonder with that big old cannon attached to Anthony Richardson, maybe Alec Pierce becomes a nice one, two combination with Michael Pittman as well. He's going to be the discount version of all those guys we talked about. Like he's a great arbitrage play on the guys we talked about in wide receiver tier five. You know mm. the volatile players where, like he he literally is the arbitrage George Pickens. Uh, he is the arbitrage Gabe Davis. Like those guys mm -hmm. are. Um, it's just they're so similar from a usage perspective. Like the ideal role. Now right. I think Pickens probably has a higher theoretical ceiling. Um, you know, but Gabe Davis like. 
Alec Pierce could easily be better than Gabe Davis. It's just like how much are they going to throw the ball? I think the fact that Michael Pittman's going to dominate like first read targets there, it's going to be tough for Alec Pierce to have uh, any standalone value and like, um, or any like predictable, consistent value unless Anthony Richardson is just awesome from day one, which is possible. But I love, I really like Alec Pierce as a player. We're, we're on the same page with him as a, as a pure player that he, he could be, he could easily be like a Gabe Davis type. Um, and a better version of Gabe Davis. And I think the gap between him and, and George Pickens is a lot closer than um, Camp Hype certainly uh, would, would, <laughs> would have you believe. I think to your point, look, George Pickens has, um, he has a much larger catch radius. Um, yeah, he probably has the largest Pierce. catch radius in the NFL maybe right now. Like everything, probably true. Anything, anything in his vicinity is, is, uh, is a possible grab. But again, from the reception perception, you know, you know, uh, look of everything, I, I just feel like Pierce probably has a, a few more skill sets, um, a, a little bit more skill in terms of getting open uh, deep downfield, you know, um, and, you know, maybe won't have to rely on those crazy contested catches to make plays. Um, but again, I, I really like him. I, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, and the fact that he's just going so late in drafts, I mean, come on now, you, you're getting this guy practically for free. You know what I mean? Um, and I look at the wide receiver room too, Matt, and it's pretty much cleared out. It's, it's Michael Pittman. It's Alec Pierce. You know, they've got, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor crossing our fingers. Hopefully he'll be in, hopefully he'll be there playing for the Colts. Uh, but the tight ends too, they, there's a, a little bit of a mix at the tight end position. Uh, but I, I just wonder, I just wonder if Alec Pierce can be the, you know, the clear cut number two wide receiver there for Indianapolis. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, by the way, I think we've also noted, um, and a lot of people have noted, when you get a mobile quarterback like Anthony Richardson is projected to be, sometimes, you know, these broken down plays, they don't, they don't check down to running backs. They don't check down. Yeah to these little, you know, uh, little guys floating around with their tight ends in the, you know, in the, in the little short area of the field. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times what they do, man, they just create with their legs and they just chuck it deep. <laughs> you yeah. know what? Give or me they Alec Pierce in those situations, man. Yeah. Or their scrambles, um, you know, as well. I think the difference between a guy like Justin Fields, you know, where the bears ran like 377 passing attempts last year, which is just absurd in the modern yeah. NFL. I think the reason people think that the Colts are going to run an offense like that. I don't think so because yeah, Anthony Richardson so doesn't take sacks like Justin Fields takes sacks. Uh, he processes a little bit like his, 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 his clock's moving a little faster um, than some of these guys that take a bunch of sacks and have rush attempts. So the passing volume is not going to be great in Indy, but I don't think it's going to be as bottom barrel as people think. And so Richardson can keep the offense moving also with his legs. And also, I mean, let me tell you what you're not going to do if they have a great running game with Anthony Richardson and, you know, fingers crossed, Jonathan Taylor. Like, these guys are not going to have – this safety's coming down in the box, right? Like, so Michael Pittman's going to have single coverage. Alec Pierce is going to have single coverage on those go routes. Yeah. Um, Josh Downs – I mean, we've got to mention my guy Josh Downs. I love Josh Downs, the third-round slot receiver from UNC there. Um, like, I think he'll be – in time would be can be even better than Pierce, and I, I like Pierce as a player. So – I don't know if it's going to be in his rookie year, but still, like he's going to have single coverage, like two way goes as the from from a slot receiver perspective and man coverage, zone coverage. He's going to have open windows there. This is this offense. If Anthony Richardson is good, and if these receivers are as good as you and I think they are, this offense is going to be one of the most difficult to defend in the NFL this year. Um, Absolutely, right away from an Anthony Richardson perspective, which I think opens things up for Pierce definitely to have those monster weeks. Good luck trying to predict when they are, but I do think he's going to have those monster weeks. 
And similarly with obviously with Michael Pittman, I mean, Michael Pittman is definitely like, he's, he's one of my guys this year. You know, he's one of my guys again, reception perception, but I'm very, from a fantasy perspective, like I'm very high on him this year, um, being like a great, like buy back in after everybody's pissed off about him not being good enough last year. Like, but he wasn't good enough, but he was still good. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Also, his he quarterback was... couldn't throw the ball beyond like seven Come yards. On. What's, what's going I mean, on give here? Me a I break. Was... Yeah, exactly. You know? Come on, man. Like, he wasn't. It's like, look, if you drafted Michael Pittman, that didn't sink your fantasy seat. Come on. You know, that, that that's not what sunk your team. Come on. It's bro, just because he know? ended up going very, very high, which I will admit I was a big part of wanting. Like, I agreed that we should push <laughs> him that high. I just didn't think that Matt Ryan's arm was going to completely fall off. And unfortunately, oh, my God. Yeah, it, was, it just went kaputs all of a sudden out of nowhere. OK, anyways. All right. So that's the show. We're running a little bit long, but that's all right. Uh, we're going to get back to you here in a couple of days here. But great show. Um, but again, if you want to go check out the website, receptionperception.com, we're by the way, man, we're going to get some more quarterbacks out here pretty soon. Um, and just the marriage of this data set for me has just been phenomenal, phenomenal. Matt, and I know you feel the exact same way. Looking at quarterback data, pairing that with the wide receivers, vice versa, doing those type of things. Uh, it's been awesome, I think, for the website. And I know, Matt, you would agree. Hell yeah, man. It's been great. Um, I'm hoping to get a few more receiver profiles up here. Um, mentioned some guys like that. I definitely need to get up like Tyree kill, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, Chris, Christian Kirk. I want to get all those players up here, uh, because just, just catching up, um, from, from being behind on things after the move, but want to get those guys all up. Um, would love to also get a, obviously Marquise Brown too. And then, you know, hit some guys too, before, before the summer ends. So we're getting close to it about a month left. Um, got the fantasy football expo this weekend, uh, James. So I'm going to be out there. That'll be exciting. Uh, so hope, hoping to meet a lot of people, but uh, it, so it feels like summer is ending, even though it's only ending oh, for us, uh, NFL, uh, people <laughs> for sure. Hey, listen, dude, my, my daughter is about to start fourth grade and I, and I don't know how to feel. I've got all kinds of feels about that, you know, but I'm oh, like, dude. man, summer is done, baby. Summer fourth grade, is done fourth grade feels like, uh, that's a jump, you know, that's a leap. A little bit. I, well, every year is a leap. It feels like oh, yeah. to be honest, 100% honest with you. So I'm just like, I'm not mentally prepared for <sighs> to be a dad of a, of a fourth grader. That's not, I mean, in my mind, I'm still out there, you know, playing golf on the weekends and, you know, crushing a, you know, a, a 12 pack of beers with the boys. But that's that, that those days are long gone, my friend. And now I'm a dad of a fourth grader. Come on, man. What's going on? <laughs> wasn't even that long ago you know we were talking about baby co on the uh on the nfl fantasy podcast and oh way, my God. way back in the day i mean it was, was feels a million like forever years ago, ago. but yeah, yeah that's not baby co anymore that's a real 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 person co and uh and you uh you are just slowly i mean after our last episode of talking about life expectancy <laughs> i've appreciated people um Trying to make us feel better about, oh, those rates yeah. are skewed because of infant mortality. It's like, yeah, right. well, James is still pretty much cooked. So I'm pretty much done. Like, yeah, life expectancy was like 50. I'm like, oh, great. So I'm dead anyways. Good. Perfect. <laughs> Jesus. Good Lord. Anyways. All right. That's the show, man. We got to go. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Like and subscribe, if you will. Go to the, recep- uh, go to the website, receptionperception.com. But for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. And remember, remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right. Peace.